The following is a presentation of the Belly Up Sports Media Network. Fourteen twenty in the morning, 14 minutes and 20 seconds, where the sports talk to get you through your daily commute. Hot takes, recaps, best bets, and a little humor to get your day going in the right direction. Sit back, grab your coffee, and let's get into it. 1420 in the morning for this 17th day of November 2023. Today's show is brought to you by SeatGeek.com, the SeatGeek app. Use promo code 1420POD at SeatGeek.com today and save yourself 20 bucks on your first purchase there at SeatGeek.com. Today we are joined by Dave of the New Era Sends podcast to talk some uh, Ottawa Senators hockey. How are you doing today, sir? Good, buddy, and yourself? I am doing very well. The uh, the Ottawa Senators uh, currently sit at seven to se- seven and seven. They uh, won today in, in, over there in Sweden. Again, they really tried to piss away a four nothing lead, <laughs> and they uh, ended up uh, winning in overtime today. Uh, Dave, what's your thoughts so far on the Ottawa Senators season? This game today kind of shows who they are. They're good enough, but then they're not good enough, and then they 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 eked out a win today. Yeah, it's it's honestly it's been such an up and down season. There's periods where you look like Sorry, where they look like they can really make a push for the playoffs and even compete in the playoffs. And there's periods where they look exactly like where they are in the standings. It's kind of a hit or miss. Today was a crazy game. Uh, it was a noon start for me because I'm out here in Edmonton, so I'm, you know, mountain time. Um, I didn't know that Ottawa had Jose Bautista playing on the team. That overtime winner by Tim Slitzel with 12 seconds left. Bam! was a nice one. That uh, kind of pissed me off there a little bit that you you're watching. I was I, I don't like. I'm not going to lie to you. I don't watch. I, I watch Senators games when I'm allowed to watch them. And I, I don't uh, for some reason there's a the NHL app, app thing. But this thing with the the uh, the the global series they're having over there in Sweden, I found it odd today because they're trying to push the game over to Sweden, which is another story for another day. But how it wasn't not blacked out for uh, people to see games in Sweden in games in Sweden, it was on TSN whatever four I think it was. What's your thoughts on uh, the black? Because I'm I'm in Alberta as well. I'm, I'm down in Lethbridge, and you're up in Edmonton. Like yep. for games to be blacked out, what's your thought process on that? So yeah, oh man. <laughs> It drives me absolutely insane because it's like you can watch a game in Sweden that's in Sweden, but I can't watch a game here that's in Ottawa. Like it drives me batshit crazy. Excuse my language. I don't know if you guys you know, you know, we swear, we're, we're, we're a swear friendly show. <laughs> okay, good. All right. Explicit. More than three F words in one episode. You're well, we're already close to it anyways. It doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, uh, you know, it drives me crazy. I remember uh, when that NHL TV had to get NHL TV. And it, it costs so much, but you split it with two or three buddies, and it makes it a little a little easier, um, you know. But at the end of the day, it's just like, why would you have a TV channel sit there for three hours with zero broadcast? Just play the fucking game, just play the damn game. That drives and, me nuts because I and, I can't go to Ottawa to watch a game. So why is it on TV? Like Winnipeg Jets have it, and the, the Leafs have it when they're on yeah. TSN and everything else. It, it makes it makes no sense. What 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 drives me crazy is like I'm paying the NHL to watch because. I feel like I'm being penalized for not living in the city that my team plays in. So I got to pay for all these subscriptions. I finally got fed up and just paid for IPTV, 120 bucks a year. I have no blackouts. I watch all the games. So screw you big time, you know, TV networks. Yeah, there's always around it. <laughs> Before the season started, uh, there was a situation out there in Ottawa and it was well documented. It kind of went away a little bit. It got a bit of press and then it went away. 
Uh, the Shane P- Pinto situation with betting and bet, 40, 41 game suspension half, half the season. He was unsigned. There was a reason why he was unsigned because there was probably an investigation going on. Uh, what is your thoughts on the NHL talking out of both sides of their mouth with the Pinto situation by being full on with betting because the Senators had the uh, the uh, on uh, the uh, betting uh, one of the betting sites on their helmets. Yep. that they've currently changed and then they uh they suspend the nhl suspends a guy for half the season for something they're, like i said they're talking to both sides of their mouth what's your thoughts on the on the pinto situation i i honestly i can see it both sides of the coin where you're not supposed to gamble i think the problem the biggest problem was because he gave his credentials to somebody else to bet for him right or that's kind of what the story is we don't know the full story 41 game seems a little a little harsh if that's the situation or if you're not betting on hockey why are you suspending a guy for 41 games? And 41 games when this was a negotiated amount. From what we were told, they were looking at a full season suspension. It was negotiated to half the season. Um, but, like, if you're going to bring alcohol to a party and tell people, you know, don't drink the alcohol. Like, people are going to drink the alcohol. You're at a party. That's what you do, right? It, it's not exactly the same, but, like, you're shoving gambling down people's throats you know, especially kids who, you know, even on an entry-level contract, you're still making, you know, bringing hundreds of thousands of dollars. Like, what, I mean, so he spends a bit of money gambling. Like, what do you, what do you think these kids are going to do with their money? Like, I, I don't know. It drives me nuts. Like, yeah, you're pushing this and you're promoting the shit out of it, and then you suspend somebody for 41 games. The good thing, though, is at least it's nothing severe where he can be shamed by the public or, you know, has to walk into the locker room with his head down or be judged by other NHLers. A lot of NHL teams and GMs were actually asking the league for clarification on their gambling rules after this because they're just like, well, we don't we don't know what we can and can't do. Like, let's use this Pinto situation and figure out what our players can and cannot do gambling wise, right? So I feel like there isn't much of a stigma on it. Uh, I know they came out saying like he's he's seeking help, professional help, and stuff like that. Uh, I I don't know if that's just the line that you feed just to kind of smooth things over. I mean, is he a gambling addict? We don't know. He knows. Other people know. We don't know. But it just doesn't seem like it'd be one of those situations. But yeah. I felt the same way. Like when a guy's making X amount of dollars to to play it to play a game and everything else, and then he you're you're told to not bet. But he wasn't betting on hockey and what the rules are. And I was like, okay, just don't bet, man. Like one of those. And then, but he got caught and whatever. It it just it just smoked uh, to all high hell because he can't turn a game on without having a betting a betting site having a commercial on everything else so it's just how it how it hasn't been all worked out like i said if you aren't if you said it as well if you're not betting on your own team or on that sport who cares like it's so bizarre it's so bizarre and it happens right across the world of sports the uh a week and a half ago the the ottawa senators had lost a game at home six to four to the Tampa Bay lightning and tampa tampa Silla, i don't know if they're a, a powerhouse anymore but they're still a really good hockey team and they got booed off the ice and after the game uh team captain brady kachuk he voices displeasure with the the fans about ottawa for booing the uh for booing them off the ice i i don't i i'm not i'm not a fan of people booing their team off the ice but i i get it a little bit because you know you, you pay good money to watch your team the centers have been struggling over the over the years and they're supposed to take the next jump this year was kachuk right to uh to bellyache a little bit to the uh, post game so Brady calling out the fans for booing uh, being the right thing to do and fans booing having the right to do so, both statements can be true. So like you said, seven years of misery. Uh, a lot of these players haven't been around since the misery started, right? So as Sens fans, we're fed up 
And and if we stopped caring, you wouldn't have 15, 16, 17,000 people in, you know, sitting there watching the game. You'd have 10, 11, 12,000 people. So we obviously still care. We're still buying tickets. We're still going to the game. But we also, like you said, people put God knows how much with the percentages of their paycheck into going to a game, right? Parking, food, beers, drinks, tickets. You're putting a big chunk into that, right? So like, yeah, you know what? After seven years, we're fed up of it. But at the same time, Brady Kachuk calling out fans. I'm, I got no problem with it. It's, you know what? He's right. They don't show any quit. They, they fight till the last whistle. Uh, you know, they have periods where they look real sluggish, but like you could still see like they, to the very last whistle, even if it's six, two, like they're going hard. And so I understand why he's calling them out, but the other, on the other, on, sorry, on the other side of the coin, he's got to understand, like we have the rights to boo. Like we pay for this. We're fed up with this. You know, things have been changing. Lots of changes have happened and we're happy about it. And like we have a bright future. Like we have a really good team, and like the kids are going to be good. But right now, it's just the t- the fans are fed up. Seven years of this crap, and they just they want a winning team. Management must have thought that something was going right with the team with the, the youngsters you got there in, in Ottawa and the Senators team moving forward. The uh, and they went out and they made a, a free agent signing with the Vladimir Tarasenko, and because he's a he's a he's a I, I don't want to say he's a great player. He's a really really good player and he hasn't quite uh, hit his stride yet there in ottawa what's your thoughts like when, when they when they signed tarasenko it's like they're 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 going for it like not not, not a stanley cup this year yeah. but i thought getting tarasenko was because getting a stanley cup champion in in your dress like it, it it doesn't hurt having a guy like tarasenko and he just hasn't hit his stride yet what's your thoughts on him uh so i, I like his game but he's been up and down the lineup they haven't given him a consistent freaking line to play with um like when you watch him with the puck or when you watch him on the other side without the puck, like he plays really good. Um, he's not putting up the offense that he used to. Um, but again, I mean, it's a new team. You're 15 games in. Um, you can tell he's starting to get to know the guys a lot better. So he like he's starting to predict where guys are going to be. He's starting to go where he knows guys like putting the puck. Um, I think he's still gonna have a decent season. He was a good signing, especially at the, you know five million dollars a year. Can't really say much about that. Um, but I think that's a bargain free agent world, really. Yeah, yeah. But I honestly think he took five million dollars because he was gonna come here and play with young guys who are you know gonna light it up because the expectations for the team were really high, and he's gonna come in here do really well, and then he's gonna go fetch a two three year contract somewhere in the states. That's kind of what, what we all think is kind of happening. Turns out he likes Canada. We'll see what happens next season. I will not be surprised if he walks out the door, but I also won't be surprised if he decides to be, you know, try and stay in Ottawa if the money's right and the terms right. You got a new owner out there in Ottawa, and he's kind of he made 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 some headlines last week of being a little bit upset with the uh, the sanctions he got against him and the fine he got against him for the a trade that went sideways. Uh, what's and then Peter, Peter uh, longtime GM Pierre Dorian, he got fired uh, for the whole debacle, and I think that was a long time coming, no matter what it was going to happen. And you know, you got Edmonton except uh, Edmonton Oilers Steve Stayos in charge out there. Uh, the Dorian firing was that his fault or is it nhl should have had a something in in line to make sure that like the the central bureau whatever it was going to be called to make sure that these trades don't happen because that's an absolute mess and if you look at what the the what happened oh 
you, you, you look what happened with uh, with the Chicago and, and their, their debacle that happened uh, back in 2010. It came a couple of years ago. Like the, the sanctions that Ottawa got in comparison to what Chicago got, that must drive Senators fans nuts. But it, uh, I was so fucking pissed off. I was just like, are you kidding me? Like, we're not going to go. Me crazy, and, I, and I'm not a fan of either team. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm not going to go into the details of Chicago. Everybody knows what happened in Chicago. And essentially, you got a slap on the wrist. When Ottawa fired the GM, when, when Dorian got fired, that should have been the end of it. The NHL should have been like, hey, we're satisfied with with Fine. what what you guys did. You guys fired your general manager. There will be no other repercussions. That's how it should have been. But at the same time, he, he deserved to get fired. I mean, a lot of people wanted him fired at the beginning of the season. But just like, just like DJ Smith, I think they've both earned the right to try and win with this team. Pierre Dorian screwed up. He's gone. DJ Smith is starting to get a little bit better. We'll see how long of a leash he gets, but that's another topic. But as for PD, he should have submitted all the paperwork, but the NHL also should be like, they should have all these things at a central location. Like it's, it's, it fell through too many cracks and I think Ottawa failed and the league failed. So I, I'm glad you mentioned that because everybody has interns and in whatever office and everything else. I'm sure there's gotta be somebody who's supposed to check this stuff. Okay, yeah, good. Yeah, this trade's fine. This trade's fine. Yeah, good, good, good. Because it would be it would be hard with the salary cap and capologists and this and that. Everything's got to happen. I don't have this trade. I can only go to this team. It would be too much for one person to handle. And how Pierre Dorian became the fall guy. It, it, it's odd to me how it was just uh, it was let go and how, how it slipped through so many cracks. And the one guy, like one person, one person lost her job when a lot of people made, made mistakes on that situation. Yeah, at the end of the day, you needed, you know, saw like a face, like a, a face for the tele- for the TV crews to be like, this is who was fired, this is who was punished, right? You, you fire interns or guys that no one's ever heard of, no one gives a shit. You got to fire somebody with a face, um, and that's kind of what ended up happening. But um, anybody with the internet, man, could have just looked up cap friendly and seen that he had a, you know, a, a, a no trade clause or that's, a, a that's funny you mentioned like, that, yeah. Like friggin', I mean, anybody, I mean, you would think that a guy or a group of people who do this for a friggin' living get paid to do this would be like, there's a way to find information. What's on his contract? Like, I remember when the trade happened and I was like, okay, cool, whatever. And then when it clawed back, first thing I did was I went to Cap Friendly and I'm like, well, shit, I found this in eight seconds. Why didn't anybody else? Yeah, when you and I can find that information off with a click of the click of the mouse or whatever it might be, it's crazy how someone who's making, and Dorian's not making, uh, podcaster money he's making real money doing the whole thing and figuring yeah. everything out and, and, and like you said there's a fall guy no matter what how it goes uh you mentioned head coach dj smith and he yeah he's got he's gone through the ringer a little bit hasn't been successful but the team is just here's what you are and i i'm i'm kind of against firing coaches because the coaches uh you can only have have what have what you have right and it's one of those things uh but is d is it time for dj smith because every team every coach if they don't win they get about a three-year window and then it's a thanks by sia because the gm the draft picks everything else that happens is dj smith uh if he didn't win today and he loses i think on when they play again on saturday i think it is was his uh, job really in jeopardy if he, if he got that airplane coming back from sweden was he going to get a, a pink slip do you think no, I, th- I think, so obviously you never advocate against a coach in public, but what happens behind closed doors is we never know. But I, I honestly think that the players advocated for DJ Smith in private to Steos and to Atlauer. Um, DJ's system, 
needs a bit of work. I think he needs to find, you know, tweak his, his system to help elevate the team because his system doesn't always work. Uh, I think I think he's on a leash. In fact, I think I think he's got a dog collar on, and Steos is holding him by the collar. I don't even think he has a leash right now. Uh, I think DJ has earned the opportunity to try and win with this team. Like he's been around. I agree. 100%. Since since day one with a lot of these guys when they first came into the league, right? So like, he's the only NHL coach a lot of these guys have known. So my mentality is this: is um, if they're in a playoff, if they're not in a playoff spot by after Christmas break, then you make the change. At Christmas break is where you decide everything. The uh, the goaltending hasn't been great. I mean, they had a four nothing lead today, and then they have been winning uh, five four in overtime, like we talked about earlier. Jonas uh, Corposalo, Anton Forsberg. When you got a goal against average of over three, both teams, uh, both, both goaltenders do, and their save percentages are are uh, around nine hundred. What to be a successful goaltender nowadays? It's a lot different than back in the eighties when if a guy had an eight sixty, they were doing okay. But now, if you're, if you're around nine hundred, it just doesn't cut it. And uh, there's an old saying: "You show me a good goalie, I'll show you a good." coach it has the goaltending been a major concern there in ottawa i think it, the problem is we've seen glimpses of like phenomenal goaltending from both goalies so we know that they can play that way right like if you look at today's game for example two goals one went off like a, a, an ass or a hand or something another one went off a skate you know I mean, these are goals that like you can't really help so like the four goals against doesn't tell the full story but that being said, there's been other games where, like, yeah, beer league goalies probably could have stopped some of these pucks. Um, I think Forsberg is going to be a really good backup goalie. Um, as far as backup goalies go, he's good. I think Corpusalo is getting to that point in his career where he's, you know, hopefully going to age like a fine wine, where he's getting into that age and that comfort zone of his where this is where he's going to start to go up and be better. Uh, a lot of us were kind of hoping we would get something like Craig Anderson, where he kind of came in, you know, in his mid twenties or late twenties, and just was a really good goalie. Uh, I, fifteen games in, it's hard for me to judge the goaltending. I've had, I've had games that I've loved to watch, and I'm like, man, this phenomenal goaltending. And there's some where I was just like, I, I could do a better job in that, and that's, you know, <laughs> that's not saying something. Do you find that like, we'll get off the the senators for half a second here? But do you find that goaltending around like up there in Edmonton? Obviously, they had the the, the Jack Campbell situation there that turned sure. into an absolute wreck. And then the Skinner's been a lot better. But do you find throughout the league that there isn't a lot of top tier goaltenders? Like there, there there just seems to me to I watch I watch a lot of games, but there's not many guys you can hang your hat on and go this guy is the guy. But compared to back in the uh, like the Martin Brodeur days, like you look back back years ago, you had Brodeur and you had uh, you had Eddie Belfour and you, you had Patrick Roy and on 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 it went. And now you can't name four or five guys. You go that guy's a Hall of Famer. That guy's a Hall of Famer. He, it seems to me there's a there's a lack of goaltending throughout the league. Do you, do you agree with that, or, or am I just no hundred percent? No, no. I, in fact, I had this conversation on another podcast like last season. Where I, I don't know if it's goaltending just in an era right now that's not great, or if it's just players just getting a lot better. But I don't like maybe like you know Vasilevsky. Vasilevsky is going to be a Hall of Fame goalie. That's yeah. that's a gimme. That's a gimme. But I don't see another NHL goalie currently in the league that is worthy of Hall of Fame. Or I, there's not a single Obviously, goalie. In the NHL. Of, I don't even see Hall of really goods right now. No, I, and honestly. 
and, and this includes Ottawa's goaltending, like our own tandem, but there is no goaltending tandem in the league that I would be very comfortable going to the playoffs on a deep run. I'd be like, you know what? We got goaltending compared to these guys. We should be able to steal a game. Like, there's not a single tandem in the league that I feel comfortable saying that with. No, it's absolutely not because every every team had a had a great goalie back in the years. Maybe it's just you know, old man, get off my lawn thing, and you you have those back in my days, the, the laughs and talks, everything else. But yeah, you just don't see many guys. You go, that's the guy that we wanted in net tonight because it just seems it just seems that they uh, they all because I think the problem is getting off base here a little bit but they all seem to play the exact same game they fall down the one knee or they, they slide across the net and there's no real style they're all taught the same way and i think the players are getting a, a smart to how all these goalies play because they all these goalies are taught if you go watch a, a u18 or u17 game or a western league game maybe they all play the exact same way so going upstairs on a guy it's nothing for these guys anymore yeah and like that's the thing back in the day hasik had his own style roy had his own style belfour Broder, all these guys had such different styles compared to each other that it, it was fun to watch because it was like it was like they all went to a different school of goaltending, you know what I mean? And like it was yeah. fun. That was fun. And now like exactly you're right, it's very generic. Um I think they try and teach all the goaltenders the basics, you know, just you know, just basic goaltending stuff is what they're is what they teach. Goaltending coaches, I don't know what they're doing nowadays. I don't know if there's any other if there's any good goaltending coaches left in the league or but it's yeah. They all it, just seem to be big, and pucks hit them. And if yeah. they don't hit them, well, oh well, whatever. That that, that that's because I'm like I'm a goalie hugger, hugger from way back. So it's one of those things like pucks hit goalies now compared to goalies making saves now. Like it's just one of those things you, you find. Yeah. Uh, a kid that uh, that uh, grew up in the in East Parts played his midget hockey here. Then he went to Brandon uh, Ridley Gregg, uh, injury woes. But he seems to be like he's a pretty not not pretty good. He seems to be like a really good a good player. And then uh, a son of Jeff Sanderson, who's a, re- a really good NHLer. Uh, he Jake Sanderson. He, he he's, his contract comes into effect next year. The future seems pretty bright there in Ottawa. If they can just just kind of get something going a little bit. What's your thoughts on those two guys? I think Sanderson's underrated in the league. Um, it, the problem if is he was playing I, if if he was playing in Toronto, everyone would know about him. Everybody. I was gonna say if he was playing in Toronto, Montreal, Edmonton, or any of the big U.S. markets, everybody would know him. But because he's playing in Ottawa, he doesn't get the love he deserves. Like that kid, man. Like he's he's so poised. He's so smart. Like he's he's such a good defensive defenseman. And at the same time, he still puts up the points. He knows when to pinch. He knows all that stuff. It's 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 amazing to watch him. It's fun. We Otto has not like it's gonna sound stupid because like Carlson was Eric Carlson, but like I'm not talking about offensive numbers. I'm just talking about excitement to watch. I get more excited to watch Sanderson than I did Carlson, just because right. of yeah. the yeah. Be, I'm I'm so I never played ice hockey. Okay, I played football for 11 years. I played rollerblade hockey, all that stuff. I always played defense, so I've always paid attention to the defensive side of things in any sport. So when I watch Sanderson and I watch him make beautiful, like you know, plays, you know, like nice poke checks, or you know, he takes the man at the exact right. It, he's always at the right place at the right time, and that to me is a sign of maturity, a sign of. Uh, experience, even though he's only in his second year, it's just he's probably one of the most exciting guys for me to watch. As for Ridley, when we drafted Tim Stutzla, don't get me wrong, I was excited. I was really excited. But I've been following Ridley for about a year before that draft. Um, he's one of those kids that I've always loved watching. 
he always brought that grit and uh, he kind of had that Brad Marshall feel to him. And I'm like, he's going to be one of those kids that everyone in the league is going to hate him except for the team that he's on. Um, he's got an offensive side to him. He gained, I think like 22 pounds over the summer. So like he's, he's put on some weight. Um, I'm really excited for him because I think he's going to be like a Brad Marchand, but like not as offensively talented. He'll be like a really solid second line guy when he has to be, but third line is going to kind of be his permanent role, but it's going to be fun. I, I He hasn't really played that pesky, the pesky guy, like since he's been in until so he hasn't really done that as much as he did Still when he was learning a little bit to, to, he, to know his role, like a little and, timid, maybe I guess you could say. Yeah. Exactly. But if you watch the last two or three games before his injury, he was starting to get there. Like he was, you know, he would throw a hit after the whistle just to piss people off and stuff like that. Or a guy would be skating by and he would take his stick and just hit the other guy's stick with his stick after the whistle. It was just stuff, stuff to get on the guy's skin. And I'm like, all right, he's starting to come into that Brad Marshall type role. And it's, he it's going to be fun. Because like his, his dad uh, starred down here for in Lethbridge for the Hurricanes years ago. And he was uh, he was a great player. His dad, Mark, only they only played like five or six games in, that, in the National Hockey League. But Mark Gray could score goals. And he you know, was a pretty gritty player back at, back then. That's a long time ago. But uh, <laughs> Ridley Gregg has that, that old Western League mentality here. Uh, yeah, yeah I, I, and those old Western League, like, I think there's a, like, a lot of things will get you out of here. I know you got places to go, but you, yeah, you no, look at man. some of these, you, you look at some of those, uh, these teams that build around certain guys and certain stuff. And then you see other, other guys that you, you still need a little bit of grit. Like the, the game is a lot different than it was 10 years ago. Like there, there sadly. Was Sadly, and I don't, I don't, I don't think it's better. I, I don't think, it's, I don't think it's a bad game, but I don't think that it's better. Uh, and you still, you see a, a lot of skilled guys that that don't do a lot more than go up and down the ice. They know exactly where to go. They shoot the puck. They skate very, yeah, and, and then done. You don't, and you need guys like like Ridley Gregg, uh, I think to 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 have a chance to go over to the next level. And I have like having more of those Western league guys. And I know we're biased because we're out here a little bit, but having guys like Ridley Greg on your team doesn't hurt the, the chance of your, for your future, because the thing and get into the, the business side of things, you're not going to have to pay a guy like that 10, 12 million bucks later on. But those are the kind of guys that make you, that help you win championships or help you win a round or win two rounds and, and go, go on to the, uh, the next level. A hundred percent. He's, he, he's like, um, I'm not gonna, it's, it's a hard comparison. He's like, uh, he's like a, a wish.com version of Brady Kachuk where Brady can score. He can hit, he can fight. Uh, he's really smart. He's all over the place. He's a leader and really kind of the same thing where he, you'll put up offensive numbers, just not in the same levels as Brady. He'll fight when he has to, he'll, you know, get under people's skin. It's, um, I could honestly see him being, and I hate this comparison, but when Sean Avery was waving a stick in front of Brodeur, you know, yeah. I can see him being that pain in the ass in the league. I really can. No, he's uh, he's he's going to be a really good player in in this league. Uh, for the Ottawa Senators to be successful, and like you said earlier on, having the playoffs for seven years, it's been a, a long time. Uh, Lots on in the playoffs. They lost in the third round. What's got to happen for the Ottawa Senators to maybe go to the next level? And who is who's a guy right now that you can think? Okay, this guy has to overachieve for the Senators to go to to make the playoffs because seven and seven right now, or seven seven and one, whatever it is. Um, 
and you get into that uh, that that time of the year where American Thanksgiving is the, the magical number, the tipping point. Yep. Uh, who's the guy who's got to step up for the Senators, and who's that guy that you think the Senators need to rely on to get to the next level? So I think offensively we're fine. Ottawa can score. That's not a secret. I think Shabbat needs to go back to Shabbat from three or four years ago. Uh, if we get that guy back, it's very important. Uh, Shabbat's a guy who needs to overachieve. He needs to go beyond expectations. Uh, same with our goaltending. Goaltending is the same thing. They need to, both guys need to be a lot better. I think our biggest problem too is some of our offensive players, like for example, you know, Drake Batherson, not very good on the defensive side of things. So I just think that the defense needs to worry about more about playing defense and worry less about, you know, scoring goals or whatever they need to gain a better structure in their own zone and forwards need to worry about playing a little better defensively in their own zone because if you watch just today's game against detroit for example in ottawa's zone it was disgusting to watch there was times where it was just i don't know where anybody was i don't know what anybody was doing guys weren't even looking anywhere near where the puck was it's like what the fuck are you doing so i think Shabbat really needs to be one of the guys that steps up. He really needs to be overachieving, and goaltenders really need to do the same thing. This way, offensive players, like I said, can help out playing defensively better, but they can also not stress about you know, goaltending. They don't have to worry about who's scoring. They can just play. Do they have the leadership in that dressing room to take to the next level? Hundred percent. Because that's um, what I, I worry. Yeah. I worry about teams with 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 young guys like Stutzla's there for a while now, and uh, not a while. He's he's a really good player. But is there that leadership in that in that dressing room to, to get him the next level? Because they're um, Ottawa's not a sexy franchise to get guys to go and free agents, and everything else. Do they have that le- the leadership in that room to get him to get him to the? Uh, because winning around is 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 nice. It's not, it's yeah. a nice thing, as as the Toronto Maple Leafs. Um, but is there, there enough leadership in that dressing room to say, yeah, here here's what we're, we're doing? So I don't know how much leadership you would really need, but Claude Giroux very vocal, and he is a leader's leader. Brady Kachuk, he's been really a leader's player. leader. Yeah. Sorry, Giroux's a really good player. Oh, I, man, I'm so glad that guy decided to come home. Yeah. Uh, Brady's learning a lot from him, leadership-wise. And Brady stepped up. He's very vocal in the room as well, too. Um, a lot of people don't know, but like Travis Hamanick, he's very vocal, very vocal. Uh, he likes to you know, try and help the kids out and stuff like that. I think we probably have three or four guys in the locker room that's pretty vocal, positive, optimistic, but will chew your ass out, you know, kind of bring that dad, that dad mode to the locker room. So... <laughs> Could we afford to use or to get another vet with some experience, like another Tarasenko, but with more of a leadership quality? Yeah, probably. But who are you shipping out for that, right? Who 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 are you getting rid of? You know, who are we going to get? Go get Kessel. Go go sign Phil Kessel. No, uh, I don't. I don't. Fill the thrill on the fourth. Fill the thrill. Fill the thrill. He'll he'll eat, eat forty hot dogs a season and then get you forty points. Yeah, I know. Well, I'm I, just throwing that out there. I think he had like 12 goals in his last season with Vegas, which 12 goals on a fourth line is would be good. I just don't know if he would come play in Ottawa, first off, or second, if he can score 12 goals playing with our fourth line. Because our fourth line is just, no offense to our fourth guys, line, is just not just skilled guy. They're just, they're, they're bodies who will, you know, hit and fight. That's what that is, right? 
but, I think yeah, Phil's I mean, going to go. Uh, Phil's career is going to go with. It's two backs. I, I like Phil Kessel. He's entertaining to, to watch or anything else. He's had a hell of a career, but I think that one's going to go out with a whimper. He won't. Uh, I don't think he's going to play another game now. Shock League. Like he just. He. Uh, that's just way it's going to go out. One of those guys who just disappears. And that's too bad. Uh, Dave, this is a lot of fun. I got uh, two more questions. Uh, are they a playoff team? And what year are the Ottawa Senators going to win a Stanley Cup? Stanley Cup. 2025 are they a playoff team this year yes i think they are i think they're going to get their shit together right around now things are going to start to pick up and they're going to get their shit together you know i I think they're they're a really good team with a lot of talent and they're going through their injuries early when this might sound ridiculous but going through injuries early i think that's not a bad thing because every every team gets them so get them out of the way now and then have some things that go on. And, and I think they have a, a real shot at a playoff race. And the I, I don't know if the East is, is as strong as the West. So if you can get into the playoffs, I think you have an – and as long as you don't, if you finish in a certain spot, uh, I think you have an actual shot at, at winning a round or two in the East compared – like the West is pretty like, – Jesus, you got, you got some teams out there that's kicked kick the living hell out of you. But, Which uh, is – it's crazy to think because I remember during the offseason, the Atlantic was the big talk – the powerhouse right yeah. that's that's everybody talked about it and it's yeah i feel like the atlantic is still really strong just not as strong as they're supposed to be um and if you look at auto right now man they're like two games behind most of the teams are in you know a wild card spot so ottawa comes in if they win the next two they're par they're playing they play 17 18 games like everybody else if they do well if they can get we'll say four or five in the next six points they're in that conversation and that's just it. It's, it's early enough where you win some games and or and get going a, a little bit of a heater. And because their 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 schedule has been really weird, they've only played I think fifteen games as of right now. Because they're a little bit behind, and then they're going to come back from Sweden and not play for a week again, get the rest, and everything else. So if they can get get a win or two here and there, I think they got a real shot at, at getting in the playoffs. That's all. You, and really, realistically, that's all you have to do because they, you win around and win around, and you just never know. You, and they're, yeah, I, I think that they're young and dumb enough to not know any better. If that makes any sense. Oh, yeah, it makes total sense. Yeah. And another thing, too, is uh, people are always like, oh, you know, November is very crucial for Ottawa. And I get it from a mental standpoint why November is crucial for Ottawa. But go go take a peek at the December schedule. It's it's friggin' insane. It's, it's like a hockey game every second night. It is, I think, their busiest month in the entire season is going to be December. And that's with a Christmas break. Well, Christmas break. Yeah. Two days here and there and everywhere else. But yeah. Yeah. No, Dave, this is a lot of fun. We'll uh, we'll have to have you on the show back uh, maybe around the Christmas break, and we'll talk about how the Senators are doing. Hopefully they're in a playoff spot. The, the, the more Canadian teams that are relevant come uh, playoff time, it, it keeps people uh, interested a lot more. When did you become, like, when did he, deep down inside, uh, I, I always ask guys this, when did you become a uh, Ottawa Senators fan, and how did it all come about? Because <laughs> um, you're, so you're, you're few and far between here out west. Yeah, so when I was, so first of all, I'm born and raised in Ottawa. I moved here in 2012, but I remember as a kid watching um, uh, Andre Waugh. I went to a game with my dad. I watched Andre Waugh fight, uh, fight um, Marty McSorley, and that was I, I was hooked. I'm like, I'm, I, yeah, exactly. Like, he, so like, yeah, Andre Waugh. I think I'm pretty sure he lost that fight, but watching Andre Waugh fight McSorley, I think was kind of where things kind of started off for me, and then from there, I was just kind of hooked. <laughs> That's crazy. No, thanks very much for coming on the show tonight. And uh, tell us all about the uh, new Era Sense podcast. You're, you're back on the Belly Up Network. What's going on over there with the new Era Sense? 
Yes, sir. So your sense podcast, we were around a couple of years ago. Uh, we just revived it. Uh, we're on episode number two, just dropped yesterday. Uh, if you could check us out, we're on all the podcast uh, platforms, uh, general sense, hockey talk, you know, stuff like that. But, um, we, we try to be a little bit different than all the other podcasts have all the same old information. A lot of them try to be professional. We're more like you guys where we don't mind having that explicit check mark next to our podcast uh, with the Belly Up uh, media team. Those guys have been great. They're a fantastic place to, to be with. You know, I know. They're a good crew. I like Blaine, Mike, all those guys. Great team. But no, uh, they're, they're, they're a good group to have on, on our side. They're, uh, they, they go above and beyond the, the call of duty, I guess. I don't know. They yeah. put up with all my, not, not, not crap, but I, I, I'm, I, I don't want to say I'm uh, needy, but I'm a little bit needy sometimes when it comes to it. So, no, they're, they're a good group. Oh, I'm, I'm the same way. And I don't know if you saw it a long time ago or how long you've been with Belly Up, but Rod Peterson once said Belly Up is the next bar stool without the douchebagness. That's I saw that with with Rod actually. I, I, <laughs> yeah. I was on a show with Rod about not uh, that long ago, and we we I, I think if we could have reached through the screen, we would have strangled each other. We'd had a, di- a different opinion, so it's <laughs> one of those things. But Rod's a good guy. Like he's I'm, I'm going to have him on pretty soon. I'm going to have him on the show pretty soon. No, he's a good guy. He's a very he's a big supporter of the Belly Up Media Network. So there goes Dave. Once again, thank you very much for for doing this. We'll have to uh, do a collaboration later on in, as the season progresses. You got to come on my show sometime. Anytime, just let me know when I'm uh, I'm always available. Talk to you later. Cheers, buddy. Thanks. Thanks, man. Give Santa and his elves a break from the grind this Christmas season and ask for tickets from SeatGeek. SeatGeek has tickets for shows, concerts, and sporting events for around the globe. And by using promo code 1420POD, you'll save $20 on tickets. Tickets make for great stocking stuffers and gifts. So get go to SeatGeek.com or the SeatGeek app for all of your ticket needs this holiday season. And use promo code 1420POD today for your Christmas ticket. All right, thanks to Dave from the New Era Sense podcast for uh, jumping on uh, today and uh, having a great conversation about Senators hockey. A lot of fun talking with uh, guys from the Belly Up Network and and uh, just collaborating a little bit and hearing about the uh, ins and outs of the certain hockey teams because uh, the Senators don't get a, a ton of publicity out here, don't get a ton of uh, a ton of play. There's no getting around that. So thank you very much to Dave for uh, coming on the show. It's uh, greatly appreciated. And uh, yeah, we're going to get on his show eventually, and we'll uh, we'll have a BS and everything else as and as, as things progress and and they get things rocking and rolling over there. I listened to their first two shows. Uh, very informative, very entertaining, everything else. So make sure you guys go check out Dave and the, the guys over at New uh, Era Sends podcast. Let's get to uh, birthdays, everything else, and uh, enjoy your week, and we're getting out of here. Time to uh, take some time off, I think, maybe. Just not a whole bunch, maybe just the weekend. We'll see how things go. But I always end up coming on and recording something. Something always gets between my ears, and I want to start talking. Uh, for those who know me, I don't mind uh, talking. But anyways, uh, here we go. Happy birthday to retired Major League Baseball player Nick Markakis. Markakis was born in Glen Cove, New York, but moved with his family at a young age to Woodstock, Georgia. Markakis was drafted three times. First to the Reds in 2001 from Woodstock High School. Then the Reds tried again in 2002, but he, again, he did not sign. And then in 2003, in the first round of the Baltimore Orioles, seventh overall after being named the 2003 National Junior College Division I Player of the Year. Markakis made his Major League debut on April 3rd. 2006 and got his first major league start and played appearance two days later drawing three walks in his first three at bats and then he had a 400 foot home run in the eighth inning for his first major league hit a solo shot off a raised pitcher Dan Maselli 
Marquecas spent 15 years in the big leagues, nine in Baltimore and six with the Atlanta Braves in total. Marquecas hit 288 with 189 home runs and 1,046 RBIs in his career. Happy birthday to Nick Marquecas. A little bit of perseverance will get things done. Eh? It's, it's fun to see when a guy bets on himself a little bit and uh, doesn't sign, doesn't sign. They go, you know, I can go higher, I can go higher. And then, but because things can go sideways quick on you and all of a sudden you, you, may, you might get hurt or whatever might happen. You have a bad season and then nothing happens. So to, to get drafted three times there must be some kind of talent there because usually uh, uh basically baseball players might uh or the scouts might say you know what thanks by see ya yeah that bad word bad word here and there in there everywhere else so uh congratulations happy birthday to nick markakis and on this day in 1985, the Philadelphia Flyers won their 13th consecutive game with a 5-4 overtime victory over the New York Islanders, the Spectrum, and Philadelphia, Pennsylvania to boost their record of 15-2. The Flyers would battle back in a 3 nothing deficit early in the second period and made it 4-2 after two with two goals by Tim Kerr. Dave Poulin tied the game with 3.25 left on the clock to send the game to overtime. Medicine Hat Alberta native Murray Craven scored the winner three minutes and 52 seconds into the extra frame for the Flyers' win. The streak would end two later with the Flyers travel to New York to face those same Islanders. Uh, they're losing 8-6. The Flyers would finish at 53-23-4, first in the Patrick Division, but would lose in the first round in five games, three games to two uh, in the playoffs in, against the uh, the New York Rangers that year. Those Flyers teams were tough, as you can see on the video. They didn't mind fighting back in the back in the day. And that's when uh, there was lots of Sutters playing for there. There was two Sutters playing for the uh, for the for the Flyers, uh, two Sutters playing for the Islanders back then. I wonder if they don't know if any fought, but there was Rich and Ron were with the uh, with the Flyers, the Twins, and then uh, the uh, Dwayne and Brent with those Islanders teams winning Stanley Cups like uh, all the time back in the in the eighties there. But uh, yeah, on this day in nineteen eighty five, it's crazy to think that uh, that long ago and how much the game has changed in the last uh, forty years. It's forty years now, or thirty eight years since that that all happened, and how fighting was just a, it was just how who won uh, who won or were there any any fights? Nobody cared actually who won. Anyways, there's that today's show. Thank you very much once again today for New Era Sense Podcast, part of the Belly Up Media Network. Go to bellyupsports.com for all the great articles. And uh, like I say every day, and make sure you guys check out uh, Dave uh, Van Robes, his writing debut there on the V1420SportsBar.com. Uh, the and he, uh, Dave and I did a show last night and had a lot of laughs. It'll be up later on today. So make sure you guys check that one out once the old producer gets out of bed and gets her rocking and rolling for us. So that's it. That's it for today's show. Thank you very much for everything. Everybody's listening all week long. Make sure you, uh, you make it a part of your weekend this weekend. Listen to a few more shows. Download, buy tickets at SeatGeek and everything else and, and look at all our stuff and uh, keep supporting the show. We greatly appreciate everything that happened uh, this week. It's a great week here, as it always is here at 1420 World Headquarters. And we appreciate all the support that everybody gives us on a, uh, a daily and weekly. And uh, now, you know, a few years we're into this thing now. So it's been a, been a quite the journey and quite the ride. And we're going to keep rocking and rolling for you guys because uh, we're getting nothing but positive feedback. We don't, like, we don't get enough negative feedback. The odd thing comes in here and there, but a lot of positive feedback, which we like so maybe you want maybe you'd see the uh, a negative uh, connotation now and then just to keep us a little a little honest i guess one of those things anyways that's it for today's show also i can ramble all day long but that's it for today's show and thank you once again and remember it doesn't matter where, where you are it's who you're with have a great day, uh, day and uh, weekend we'll talk to you later you just listened to the 1420 sports bar podcast four beer of the sports talk and a whole lot more we are part of the belly up media network 